Ladies, gentlemen, boys, and girls, it is lessons learned along the way. And today, today we have another special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a fitness guru. We have a marketing guru. We have a lifestyle guru because he does lifestyle stuff like yoga. It's all, it's all about wellness. But again, how to entangle, I like this word, how to mingle these things that this man does because he's a renaissance man like he does a lot ladies and gentlemen we have ian knight ian how you doing man i'm doing well strap thanks for having me on baby yeah i was trying i was i've been trying to like describe who you are because i could talk about cinematographer i could talk about fitness wellness the yogi that you are uh i could talk about <laughs> advertising strat strategist that you are Explain to the listenership audience who you really are in the faucets of <laughs> of stream of consciousness and activity and implementations that you do, man. Just explain who you are. Like you're a very complex individual. Explain yourself, please. So this is how I explain to everyone. Uh, I am a fractional CMO. Um, I am the host of Believe in Arizona Fit, a sports and performance coach, and a writer. So I'm a I'm traditional so slash cinematographer is not in that like anymore like kind of incorporated CMO. Okay, CMO. My bad. My bad. So, yeah. So if you don't know what CMO is, it's a chief marketing officer. Okay. So um, Ian, could you just share with the audience and the, the, the audience your uh, history, uh, where you're from, your beginnings, and what led you to this position that you're in? So I'm gonna give you guys a shortened version because that, that's literally like a two hour long story. But uh, a lot of you may know me. I grew up in Wichita, uh, graduated from Wichita Heights, uh, did a brief stint over at Butler and afterwards transferred to Washington State University where I completed my undergrad, um, played football while in college, loved every minute of it, um, even the hard times, which you know really helped me grow. While I was in college and late in high school, I got my hands on a video camera and I loved it. I just love, you know, telling stories, getting in, messing with the graphics, editing, and, uh, you know, really conveying the side of people that, you know, they never knew existed. So early on, after, um, after I decided football wasn't for me or football decided I wasn't for it, um, I just started, you know, picking up the camera again, going out filming and built together, you know, what I would consider a decent portfolio and landed myself a few jobs in the uh, marketing industry. Uh, one was at Textron Aviation and after working for a few different companies over the last few years, I decided I'd rather work for myself um, and have a little bit more control over my life. Absolutely, man. I, I like how you uh, compounded that story because you have so many layers, man. I'll talk about, uh, let's break down some of those layers before we go into uh, the sole purpose of this interview, which is showcasing the different um, things that you do. Uh, let's go back to um, you as this you know young man growing up in wichita kansas going to heights and then you know moving to butler you know recruited i don't know if you were recruited by butler or you chose butler as a strategy to go to, before you go to washington washington state what did i say washington state is it, is it right yeah washington state baby go washington state. okay so you Ian, you don't give yourself too much credit but you were you were one time an elite athlete you're, you're I, highly yeah. like from because I heard stories about your basketball days. You you were a multi 
athlete. Like you did track, basketball, and football. So let's talk about that a little bit, just a little bit. Man, I uh, growing up, um, I grew up on 25th and Hillside. For anybody that knows Wichita, um, and on that, you know, on that neighborhood, I mean, you did everything except baseball. I didn't do baseball. Like throw a ball at me, you know, 50, 60 miles an hour. Nah, you hit me, we fighting. But. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's just running. It, it just became a thing I did. So, you know, running transfers over to football, basketball, track. And so, obviously, when I got into high school, I wanted to do all of them. And I did them pretty, you know, I did them pretty well. But yeah. football was just such a natural fit. But looking back, honestly, if I could do it over again, I would have focused on track. track straight yeah. up. Yeah. I, I, I heard about your track stories. I heard about how a pure athlete you were from people like Brian Trail because he told me your Ian was a beast quick quick and they said you were quick but you were never like quick like shifty you were big quick like not shifty quick you know what I mean like they're you know elect electrical people like they're just small and they just you know quick but you were big quick which is which translated to you getting to a D1 school which I don't know about the intangibles about football because I never played football to that level. Um, how, I mean, because the reason why I'm asking you these questions is having to, I always tell people, having to relearn, having having the uh, teachable ability to relearn because a lot of kids grow up with these sports dreams because we grew up in neighborhoods or places that the most successful people that we see are not necessarily surgeons necessarily uh lawyers i mean some people like in atlanta they do see black people people of our our depiction in these positions but in some places success is usually measured through sports and entertainment and that's why i'm emphasizing on you having these elites elite skills that would have taken you farther in life you know and of course you did the d1 part like before we even go into the d1 part like being this kid that had these abilities, right? Of course. I want I want you to I want I would lo love you to like revisit your mind state. Like what were you thinking? Were you thinking of being a pro or the tech world I, and that fitness world was in your foresight, I guess. Man, honestly, man, I I was just hungry as a kid. Like I everyone growing up they always downplayed me. They always kind of just pushed, they pushed me aside. They never wanted to, you know, make me an integral part of the bigger picture. So I had to kick down those doors myself yeah. and insert myself into those pictures. Yeah. So as a kid, honestly, all I wanted to do on every level was I wanted to be the best that I could be. And throughout that journey, you know, that's how I ended up going D1. That mindset just never changed. It, it was yeah. something that honestly, as a kid, you know, started off boxing. A lot of people don't know about that. Yeah, I had to box when I was little. Like my uncle made us do it. It was not optional. Yeah. Um, you get hit in the face, you know, when you're five, six years old. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna learn pretty quickly the type of person yeah. you are. Like, yeah. you're, gonna, you're gonna curl up and ball up, or you're gonna you're gonna hit back. And right, I, early I'm just the type to hit back, and I just hit a little harder. Yeah, I mean, even with you saying that, that that like draws the idea of you had a chip on your shoulder. You were, you were a guy that always needed that chip on your shoulder to like propel and, you know, catapult yourself to another level. Um, would you describe yourself as a high school kid? Would you describe yourself as a jock, 
uh, as a as a nerd or just a, just a guy who was just gifted but probably in band because Vince Carter was on was in band but he was gifted as a basketball player and a football player in Florida. Like, how would you describe yeah. yourself? Would you man? Were, were you the popular really kid? Fit, I never really fit into any box, man. Like, hmm. you can ask really good friends, Cameron Neal, uh, Richard Dixon, that I still keep in contact with today. I was always in electronics and other stuff. The people I hung out with during school, they weren't necessarily all sports players. Like I hung out with the drama club a little bit. Um, there was a there was a chess club. I didn't play chess, but I you know I kick it with them. You know, pick books off their brain, just kind of learn a little bit. But that was that was kind of like my story and tale. Like I was never I never fit into a box, and I never tried to fit into a box because it wasn't for me. Like I'm just that type of person where I like to do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that, do a little bit of this. And that's when I hate the stereotype that we put on like these young black kids growing up where, you know, it's, you know, it's sell the ball. Like, man, yeah. there are options out here. Take yeah. that same attitude you got and use it to do whatever you want. Yeah. yeah. And then transitioning from high school to college, of course, you did a little bit of JUCO and then you moved over to a D1 school, right? Um, was there a lot of self-discovery during this process of like, cause I know Butler is just like, it's just around the corner. You know, you're yeah. next to family and friends, but now you have to go to Washington state. You have to go far West, right? How was that? Uh, how would you describe that transition and how much growth did Ian have to face during this process? Uh, honestly, I described that transition as needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I needed it, man. I needed that growth. I, I didn't know how to retrain my mind at the time. Mm. Um, throughout those processes, man, I learned that, you know, self being self-taught, self-education, that's not something you do temporarily. That's something that has to be done over and over again. And that's the biggest thing I learned during those transitions. So, I mean, for example, uh, moving out West to Washington state, no car, no, I mean, I didn't know anybody. Like I hadn't even yeah. been on campus yet. No car, no friends, none of that. You know, I had to really insert myself and, you know, figure out, man, how am I going to make it a practice? You know, how am I going to make it to the cap, which is like a mile and a half every day? You know, how, you know, how am I going to insert myself, you know, as a leader on the team and continue to do well in my classes? And that's another thing people didn't know about me in high school. I took AP classes, right, all the way through. I graduated. Like, I didn't actually have to go to JUCO. I I wanted to because I wanted better offers. But, yeah. you know, we can and talk people, about that. And people in sports understand your route because sometimes these JUCOs is like more legit than some D1 schools. Like, also real. Like, these JUCOs be having... And to that nuance... He's speaking in nuance. Like, he's speaking in... If you understand sports, you understand the, the like, some of the your greatest athletes did some JUCO because some of them didn't make it to... Um, they make, they make the the grades to take them to the D1 schools. They had to like build that through the JUCO so they could go through that that tunnel, that pipeline, right? But some yeah. some smart students that have the skill are like, you know what? I just want to test my talents. Let me go to the JUCO and see if I'm ready for the D1. It's not because of the, how good of a student they are. It's just they chose that channel because they know there's a lot of competition in that JUCO. And I'm and honestly, man, Butler was the best decision I could have made. Like the the training I received under Coach Bratt and meeting everybody over there from Demarcus Lawrence, Zach Mettenberger, um, Tank, even uh, the guys over at Hutchinson. 
I mean, it real physically, it pushed me to a level that, man, like, I wish I could go back to sometimes. Right. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, going to JUCO, it's not a joke. Like, you got to be tough yeah. all the way around. Yeah. And it's a short-lived period of time, so you have to, like, really embrace that short time. Um, so now we have transitioned. You're at Washington State. You've gone through your trials and tribulations over there. And you made this decision to not pursue uh, going into the professional arena with your talents in sports. Um, how tough is that? Because I know I have friends that grew up, spend their whole life prepping themselves to be athletes, both physically and mentally, right? The way they eat, they cannot party like they, you party. They cannot eat the way you eat, the way they practice, the way they, the amount of rest that they get, um, indulging in fun activities like, you know, women and all that other stuff. They have to hold themselves back because they're treating themselves like multimillionaires in certain situations where they don't want to be involved with. You know what I mean? They've been mentally and physically prepping themselves their whole, I think, you know, post-puberty, I guess. They've been preparing themselves to be athletes because they've been projected to, to fit that criteria of a professional athlete. And then they get the sad news that, you know, when you're in college and everything is said and done, we're done. You, you've been playing, you know, this D1 basketball, D1 football for these amount of years. Well, the professional jobs are limited. And, and honestly, I'll go a little bit more into detail about that. Um, so I actually, um, so I actually tried out for the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Now we got traded to Oakland. Um, this is back when Ken Norton and all those guys were in charge. And then there was a, I got a D lineman go down and I was a bit of a hybrid transitioning into a linebacker fully and Dallas needed help. So I went to Dallas for about two weeks and this is when they had Rolando McClain and all these other animals there. And they were just like, you're probably going to end up playing the Canadian football league. Mm. Uh, you are. And that's when I decided, like, I, you know, Canadian Football League linebackers, you may make 60000 I decided, you know what, I, I got brains. I can make 60000 you know, working at, you know, Textron. Like, I'm good. Done. Yeah, and, so, and I was, yeah, I was saying that to say, like, how is that? I don't say rejection, but. No, it's rejection. That, co that, call, coming, call it is, that, 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 that coming into reality when, you know, that, that finally waking up from the dream. Is what I want to say. Finally waking up from the dream after treating your body like a machine, treating your life, you know, abiding to these rules, thinking that you have the ticket to save maybe your neighborhood, your family, even yourself. Some people come from affluent families that still have to go through the same process. But like, how is that for, for just an athlete? What's, how is that mental switch? Some athletes never come back. They either go into drugs Alcohol, they just is because their whole life was based off structure and they don't have that structure anymore. Some people transition seamlessly into other things with the multimedia, with a business, with the real estate. Like how how is that? Tell me about that 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 juncture of almost making it there into the professional fit. Like, how is that? What's that mindset? So, so uh before I jump in, I want to give a shout out to Taj Gibson. If you don't know who that is. Follow me on LinkedIn and I'll hook you up with him because he uh, specifically deals with transitioning into quote unquote normal life if you're a high level athlete. But for me, um, it was rough. I will say that was the roughest thing that I've probably gone through in my life because that's how I identified myself. You know, if 
walked up to people. I mean, you've heard about it, and I haven't been back there in I don't know how long. Um, you know, Ian was a great athlete, did this, did that, yada, yada, yada. That's all I knew. So when my identity was, you know, taken away from me, I had to reinvent myself. And that's when I went back to the camera work. So for me, it was hard. I'm not going to lie to you, bitch. I didn't realize it at the time, but you know, that's when I was, you know, I was going out on the weekends, really partying, you know, uh, I'm not going to get into details, but I wasn't focused like I was. I didn't have anywhere to put that focus. So thankfully for me, you know, I snapped myself out of it, you know, through physical fitness, through yoga, and I restructured myself to kind of, you know, build the life that I want to be. And hopefully I'm on the right track to do so. But I mean, it, it's tough. It's your identity. I mean, I, I challenge everyone. How do you identify yourself? Strap, how do you identify yourself? Man, that's a tough question because I switch my, like, I know my core identity values, I guess. I don't know. Or components of my identity, but like, I have also to have that flexibility and that dex dexterity to let my personality grow because I won't be the same person the next day because of learned information or outcomes that have taught me that maybe I was taught wrong. But yeah, that's a good question. It's a tough question. It is. Honestly, tough. like it's, yeah, I'd, honestly, I'd say I couldn't answer that question fully, maybe until like a year ago. I mean, just how you started off this show. Like what, I mean, how do I identify myself? What do you do? Mm. Practice PMO, sports performance coach, yoga instructor, writer. Mm. Uh, I just bought part of a CBD company uh, mm. this week. A lot of, I haven't even announced that yet. You just heard it. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey, breaking news. Breaking news. I love it. I love it when it's done on my show. Um, so I know it for a fact, and I experienced it to a little level. I didn't have, you know, to be great, you have some have some deludedness to you. You have to have that self-belief and somewhat create this reality which is fake from reality in your mind to get to the next level because if you listen to other people they'll always tell you you're not tall enough you're not fast enough you're not big enough so you have to kind of have this insular way to like cut off real reality to become great and that's how most great people are they're kind of deluded and they're kind of crazy look at i was watching um michael jordan's last dance and i knew how deluded and i'm not saying deluded but how I don't say, I hate using this word crazy. How, you know what I mean? You're, you're a competitor. You know what I mean? Like some, somehow you have to like trick your mind. I'm, that I'm you right. If you, if you feel like you're one of those people where people are always saying this about you or whatever, let me tell you something. One, they're talking about you. They're talking about you for a reason. Yeah. Don't run away from that. Two, yeah. That's okay to be crazy, to be different. Yeah. That's how you make it in life. If you were, if we wanted to blend in and do what everyone else is doing, guess what? That's the type of life you're going to get out of it. Yeah. You're going to get that nine to five, sitting in a cubicle, taking orders from someone that you know, hopefully you like them, yeah. going, cutting the yard, doing whatever's whatever. And I hope that's, uh, if you're content with that, yeah. great. But I'm telling you right now, a lot of people aren't. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. You just hit the nail at the top, like right there with, with it when you talked about that process of just being in automation, just you're automatic. You just wake up, brush your teeth, work, come home, do this, take care of kids. Like it's just automation. Um, real, real life, like real life, real life is about purpose, you know? And, and, and sometimes you find purpose at a young age. And sometimes you find it when you're in your fifties, when you realize you've wasted all your youth 
making corporations money, but you really never developed yourself. You really never developed your your spirit, your energy. And that goes back to the life lesson of success versus fulfillment. Some people chase success, but they're never fulfilled. There's this story about uh, a millionaire, and I said this before in a podcast, a millionaire that lives somewhere in the hills in, in, in California, LA, uh, to be precise, sleeping on a $20,000 bed, and he only could get two hours of sleep because most of the time he's suffering with insomnia and he's suffering with ideas and ways to make his company bigger. And you think about a homeless man on Skid Row, LA, downtown LA sleeping for 14 hours and they feel like you know what I'm getting better sleep than this person sleeping on a $20,000 bed it's just different juxtapositions of life and how we view life and how we view productivity that switches because sometimes we think productivity is based on volume but productivity is really based on how you feel it's not the amount of work that you put out you, there. you said it earlier you know chase fulfillment what's going to bring happiness overall in life and that's something that you know parents teachers they don't really push that on younger kids they just they just want they want to get them jobs in the in the the real world to you know perpetuate this society that doesn't you know incorporate a healthy lifestyle a healthy mindset but at the overall end of the day you know it just you know makes people who are here to pay taxes and fight wars for someone else right well that's not why that's not why we're here we're not here we're for that here to do what we want to do to make this world a better place yeah and even with saying that like this is a good segue and that's why i had brought up success versus fulfillment i want to talk about some of the practices that you do i know you're a yogi you've been a yogi for a while I always find yeah. it weird seeing a buff yogi. I always see your Instagram. I'm like, why are you so brolic and you doing yoga, bro? I mean, hey, I, that's well, the dumb. That's my yoga. dumb. I'm I'm ignorant. Forgive me for that, because it's just always like I, I have this always. It's it's a skewed alignment between being muscular and not being flexible. It's skewed and yeah. it's wrong, but. Even if in my my in my skewed thinking, I'm kind of right most of the time. Most of the buff dudes that I meet cannot touch their back of their head. They cannot do stuff. You know, you know what I mean. Like, so you are this fitness guy, weightlifting guy, big six three guy, doing yoga. Like that didn't make sense to me. But explain for you. Keep going. Keep just I you that, you know and, and forgive me. For, I'm being dishonest. Hey, no, tell tell it how it is, man. I think that's a that's a problem we got now. We we like to sugarcoat things. Like we yeah. got to a point where we want to sugarcoat things. Don't sugarcoat it. Tell everybody how it is, man. You know, yeah. that's why I tell people who work with me. Like if my work's not good, it's not up to par, don't sit there and say, Oh, it's good, it's this, but no, man, tell me what it is. But you know, we'll we'll circle back to that. I got into yoga when I was working at Textron, because I was doing the nine to five, wake up, do this, do that, bored out of my mind. I needed something. I needed I needed something a way to challenge myself and I felt stiff. I was always stiff. I've always been stiff. Part of my um, impairment playing ball was I had the world's worst ankles because one, I didn't know how to train properly, but two, no one ever taught me the importance of stretching and how everything's connected in the body. So when I started yoga, you know, it was rough. Like 
I have never been more sore in my life than when I started practicing yoga. Like my feet were were hurting. Like my feet were hurting, dog. <laughs> so after I did it for you know about two months, I started seeing improvements. I started feeling a little bit better. Um, and then I just kept going, kept going. Weight started coming off me, like bad weight. And eventually I got to a point where I was like, you know, I want to teach this. And shout out to Wichita Stanga Yoga. Um, I love the way that they teach yoga over there. Um, and that's how I transitioned the physical practice to here. Um, because in yoga, if you're not doing everything throughout the breath work and focusing, yeah. your mind's clouded, you're physically, you won't improve. And overall, you're just gonna cause yourself more pain. So, I mean, yoga, yoga was a really big jumping off point for me. And a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. I, I definitely I was monitoring because we follow each other and we, we were friends and and I was noticing um, a change in like you had like this switch once the yoga started coming in everything is it was like everything started to align like from the the yoga that you were doing I could definitely see you being the PT that you are personal trainer um, having people doing like hills seeing you doing these outdoor workouts and then, um, you know, partaking in different challenges in your life, of course. Um, not saying it's a big lifestyle change, but I remember, yeah, we used to, we used to, we used to be my drinking friend at one time. And then I don't think you do that anymore. I don't think no. even you partake in that 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 that, 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 that type of lifestyle. I don't want to put that out there. Forgive me, but hey, no, yeah, you used to, no. we used to hang out. We used to, we used to have fun. There's no secrets about my life. If y'all know me, yeah. You know everything. There's, yeah. there's no and, and, like, and that yoga just triggered something. You just stopped everything. You just became distant with saying people stay just focusing they, on, on your on your on your on your on your on your you know your mental real estate. And yeah, when you start stop trying to compare yourself to everything else and you do the work that really matters, everything falls into place. There's a reason why you and I are still in contact. Yeah. Our paths are aligned. There's a reason. Ray Trail and I, we talk music all the time, even though he's in Kansas City. Yeah. Our our paths are aligned on that way. Yeah. Troy over there at Bob Wichita. Shout out to um, Bob Wichita. Shout out to Burn Trail. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just the people who are supposed to be in your life, they will be there. You know, yeah. that's why I'm always telling everybody, don't compare yourself to anyone else or anything else. And that's, yeah. I think that's how we're using social media wrong, yeah. you know. Do it to show the world who you are, what you're about, what you want to do. I mean, what's the yeah. value that bring to the table to anyone mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I'm, I'm so proud of your growth man it's so inspiring it's so motivating especially for somebody like me you know a new parent and sometimes when you step into a different realm of having not to be because I'll, I'll let you my my listeners know this maybe I already said this I before having a child I was very selfish I mean everything I woke up was about self not in a bad way of being selfish but i if i didn't fulfill my happiness i'm moving on forget my girls i forget how she feels it was always like am i happy am i fulfilled and that had to change because i got into a situation or a crossroad where i had to look at like yo this this lady gave me the most beautiful gift in my life she gave me my daughter right then my daughter and then i had to realize why am i selfish and i realized oh because you grew up in the household with this amount of kids and 
if you didn't take care of yourself, somebody's going to take advantage of you. Then you start peeling layers of your, your upbringing of why you're selfish because, and it's not a good thing. I mean, it's protective. It helps you go through life always worried about self makes you selfish in every agenda. If you're not benefit benefiting from it, then why do we involve? Why do I involve myself? Which is very good for being a capitalist because you will be successful. But in the bigger, in the bigger scheme of things, you're not bringing anybody up because I feel our main job, like what you do in life is your, you apply service. You help people get better. You empower people. I thought about myself, who did I empower? I'm not empowered anybody. And that's why I say this uh, lessons learned along the way to empower people, to apply service in this, even if I do it with my nine to five, but I'm doing it with my nine to five because I'm incentivized with that check that comes with it. But I want to do it basically basing it off. I'm not getting anything from this besides sharing knowledge with subject matter experts such as you in. And I realized I broke that self-centric idea of self because I realized I have a daughter and it's not about me anymore. I have this person that, you know, it's not about me. And, and I should have been like that. And some people get it at a younger age. Unfortunately, you had to get it like at 32 or 31. Let me inject something there for you, though. Being selfish is going to sound crazy. Being selfish isn't a bad thing. Because I'll tell you it's this. not bad, yeah especially when you're growing up before the family comes, you need to figure out who you are. Like, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough road. Like you said earlier, you might do this when you're 50, but you need to figure out who you are and what makes you happy. Because some people, they'll disagree with me on that and that's fine. But you don't get into relationships because, you know, like this person, they make me happy without them, I'll die. That's not, that's codependency. Like we, yeah. we, don't, we don't do that. I don't encourage mm -hmm. that. Are you're happy. You meet another happy person. Together, you're both happy and you help each other grow. That's beautiful. Yeah. That's what we need more of. You know, it, it, trust me, being selfish is not a bad thing. But now here's, here's where I'm going to challenge it. There's a line. You, when you, when you start to discover yourself, when you figure out what you're good at, what people, what makes people um, become drawn to you, share that. That's when you want to start connecting with people. Like for me, I'll use I'll use me for instance. When it comes to the human body, when it comes to, you know, hey, how do, how do I get better um, physically? How do I, you know, stop being in back pain? How do I fix my back pain? My foot, this. I can help you out with that all day. And I have no problem doing it. A lot of people, they ask me questions a ton of times a day. I'll always answer them. That's how I give back to the world. That's how that's what people need to do with that time when they're being selfish. What are you good at? What can you do to empower other people? Yeah. I mean, that's well said, man. Like, you're absolutely right. Um, we, we as human beings, we have been conditioned to create necessity, create urgency for something that we need. And unfortunately... It is just our primal nature, but that kind of like leads us to be selfish because we're trying to survive. Have you, have you ever heard of the, um, it's not really a theory. I'm, I'm going back to my grad school days. Um, have you ever heard of the concept survival versus thrival? I've I've not studied it, but I've heard of it. I've like, I've maybe heard of it in person, in passing, but I've not really 
dove into that idea. So growing up, it was a single parent home, you know, I had great grandparents, all that stuff. You know, there were times when the lights weren't on, no, no joke, but I didn't have the hardest of lives. Definitely wasn't. But we were in survival mode. Everything we did was, you know, to make it to the next day. You know, take my take my girlfriend, love her to death, completely different side of the tracks, you know. Yeah. Private schooling, um, had a lot of help along the way. She was put in a position to thrive where I was put in a position to survive. Mm. And it's and it's, it's a race thing that, that comes into play. And we can talk about it later if you want. Yeah. When we talk about thematic um, things that have been put in place to keep us where we're quote unquote supposed to be. Mm. Um, we need to come out of a mindset of survival and start thinking of thrival. And I love mm. the fact that there are a lot of families of color out there who are making that transition. Absolutely. Because what you talked about earlier, those um, defense mechanisms, uh, those things that you do to survive. Yeah. And when you're growing up like that, you didn't have a choice. Like, right. It's survival. Yeah. Man, that's well said. Um, moving or segueing from that, let's talk about that logo behind you right there. I, you know, the audience, I would say audience, audience, that's audio. The, the, the viewership <laughs> could see it. Um, it's a tree and it has your name at the bottom of it. Let's, let's talk about the significance and the symbolism that we have in front of us. Like, uh, with that tree and everything that is. So first and foremost, uh, shout out to my business partner, Elise Bunting over at Videon Group. Um, her title is director, but she's the uh, she's the chief operating officer over there. Um, she's the one who did this work. I love her for it. It's beautiful. I look forward to doing more business with you in the future. Uh, but yeah, it's a Joshua tree. So the Joshua tree, it's a tree. It doesn't look pretty. It's like half cactus, half tree. It like hangs at these funky angles. Um, it's not something you want in your yard, but that tree survives in some of the worst um, climates ever. It, it does very well in these desert harsh conditions that I live in right now, and it's tough. It doesn't matter what happens, whatever happens to it, it will adapt and will grow. And it was just the perfect symbol for me because I'm, I won't get into all the details of my life, but throughout all the hardships, I, I, I took five minutes, I pouted about it, why me, whatever's whatever's, and then I changed my mindset. How do I grow from this? How do I move on? How do I create a future that's not only better for me, but my future kids so that they can have a better life? And that's what I love about that Joshua tree. It represents resiliency. You know, what are you gonna do when tough times hit? Are you gonna, you know, excuse my language, you gonna hold up like a bitch? Or are you gonna stand up and push forward? Mm. Man, I like the story behind the uh, symbolism and and what it's what it stands for. Um, moving from the symbol of your business and your pretty much your your story and how the story that comes about the symbol of the Joshua tree could be pretty much your mission statement. You know what I mean? And what drives you to do what you do in the different facets of of business and industry that you do. Uh, in the introduction, we talked about you being, um, you said, a CMO. Did I say it right? Yeah. yeah, so I'm a fractional CMO. Fractional CMO. We also talked about you being uh, a coach for wellness, a wellness coach. Um, and also we talked about your fitness, enthusiast, enthusiastic background. Um, I mean, I could see the, the thread that ties everything together. 
when you mentioned your mission statement based on the symbolism of your logo. But to the listener that, that, that would not understand the nuance, that would not understand the different breakdowns, let's talk about, okay, let me speak in, in just simple language because I'm going into, why do you do all these different things and how do you have energy to do all these different things? This is me just speaking off a layman's diction. I, I, I hope you guys like politics. I'm here <laughs> to make America healthy for yeah. once. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's what America needs, you know, like that's what that's what the world needs, actually, because we we live in a world that, you know, we don't have. I mean, hey, I'll tell the story. Yeah, I'll let y'all let speak while I build on this idea. Think about this. And this is going to seem a little big, but that's all right. From a young age, we teach the we put these kids in classrooms, force them to sit out eight hours a day. That's unnatural, very stiff in the body, lack attention because we're teaching them things that half of them they'll never use in their lives anyway, mm -hmm. just to get them ready to go to college to pay thousands of dollars to, uh, to get a job in a cubicle where they have to pay back thousands of dollars, you know, causing stress on their mind, you know, causing stress physically because they're not moving around like they're supposed to because we taught them that, you know, physical activity isn't really that important just so they can go out there and make money for someone else so they can, you know, earn whatever it is, a hundred or a thousand, two thousand dollars a week to start their own family so that they can bring up more kids in the same system to go through the same cycle to make someone else more money or to, for someone else to live their own dreams. Why? When are you going to live your dream? When are you going to do what you want to do when you're, yeah. when you retire at 75? Mm. Really? I mean, I feel like, even with that being said, I feel like a lot of us, I'm not, I'm not far away from that description of the, I'm that kid that you're talking about that had to uh, use education as my escape board, as my, uh, my only uh, grab on to uh, livelihood because I'm not the tallest. So <laughs> I don't know how to dunk. I don't have a good, I don't have a good J. Yeah. <laughs> I don't run a, a four, two forty. Yeah. I mean, the list goes on. I'm not very uh, convincing as a lawyer. Like I don't meet the criteria of having a job based on indoctrination that will pay me money that is worth generational uh, pass down or generational wealth. So right mm -hmm. now I, I vote, I got indoctrinated as an educator, as a person in the education field. Uh, as a person in the in the field of building courses, and I understand, like, yes, I'm in that field of building courses, but it does come with monotony, it does come with stress, it does come with its own different invis invincible invisible ceilings where you will not go higher than a certain level, and you just stuck and content in mediocrity in its own sense. But again, yes, I do consider myself. And I'm using myself as an example, by the way. So don't feel bad about it. But I, I, yes, I view myself and I don't feel sorry for myself because I'm able to take care of my necessities. But still there's that desire of that kid in you because that, that child inside you, right? That is a dreamer. And the worst thing you could do, because even when I turn 50, everyone, everyone has that child in them. And once you suppress that child in you, you will never be successful. Because the child in you makes you successful. The child in you makes you creative. 
The child in you makes you not content. The child in you makes you want to explore. The child in you makes you not want to settle. The grown up. Film it. Hmm. We can't get back to the. Okay. Huh. Yeah. That child. Who's happier than a child? I won't lie to you. I was the happiest when I was a kid. I mean, I'm still happy. Yeah, I was happiest when I was a kid. Even when we didn't have a lot, I was happy. I was yeah. genuinely happy. And here's the argument that people always throw at me. They didn't have responsibilities. We didn't have bills. You know what? A lot of that stuff we make up on our own. Huh. Like, you, you, here's the thing. They say, I have to do this. I have to do that. You sit down and think. You yeah. have to. Someone put a gun to your head and made you sit in a cubicle for nine hours. That hurts your back. That mm. causes pain. That causes you stress. Someone put a gun in your head and made you do it. No. No one made huh. me. No. If you look at all the people who are successful from a financial standpoint, they don't do that. Yeah. They do what they want to do. That they're what they're passionate about. A lot of people. A lot of them them. still have that child in them too. Like they have to be creative. Think about stuff outside the board. Like outside the box. The box. Like, imagine you living in the 1960s and somebody told you about the idea of an email. Something that gets to you within a second and it could be in New Zealand, which is like... That's crazy. In the 1960s, they're like, oh, go away, Jesus. This is witchcraft. (laughs) This is some wizardry. That's crazy. crazy. You should get a a job pushing paper. (laughs) Right. But there was somebody who was still childlike who was like, yo, I'm going to make this thing happen. I'm going to make the internet happen. There's somebody that is childlike to push boundaries from the norm, from you being in this automated, wake up, do this, do that, freaking scheduled life of doing things because you're not com- you're uncomfortable with change. You're uncomfortable with challenging what's happening in front of you. Right. And and you and that person that does that is the person that will freaking get stones thrown at them in the beginning, but later on everybody will be like, oh, but. Whatever John was saying is actually it's progressive let, and different, let, and maybe we can do that. Let me tell. Let me tell you guys. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you guys, and don't don't turn me off when I say this. Don't turn Absolutely. me off. Let me, no, no, guys, you off. let me tell you about my man Jesus. Mm. Jesus, I'm gonna hang out with the people who are sick. I'm gonna hang out with the people who are poor. Mm. My father is God. You're crazy, Jesus. <laughs> You're insane. You keep talking like that. They're gonna kill you. Yeah. I'll come back in three days. Obviously, you're not Jesus. You aren't come back in three days. Right. But what the point I'm making here is, whoever did something great in life, whoever fulfilled their destiny in life, they had to go through those hard times. Yeah, it's a you challenge. Had to challenge the situation happening at the moment. Yeah, they, definitely. You got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And here's one thing I want to say: if you wake up every day in a traditional nine to five and you are happy, like you really love yourself. you are in the right spot but i do not know very many people like that not at all that's when it goes back to your health because a lot of those people too they're hurting physically which leads to them hurting mentally which hurts their spirit in the long run and that's how you have people who are sitting there at the bars at you know 11 o'clock in the morning on a tuesday feeling regret (laughs) why right yeah i mean gosh why it it goes with it goes, can I, can I psychoanalyze it? Let me apply clinical I psychology. Get around here if you want. I would say we are raised from kids without real life expectations. 
we are raised, we treat our kids to think about our Saudi daughters, think about princes, prin prince, prince charming, horses, and unrealistic things that even me as a child, I thought I was going to be a professional athlete. And once those unrealistic things don't come to fruition or don't happen, then our plan B is more like a defeatist approach to life. And we don't even take ownership in our plan B because of the idea and the, and the semantics and even just the verbiage of using the word plan B because it was not really your plan. You know, you are not dreaming this. You are not dreaming to be a, a freaking this person, but now you're that person. So how do you take ownership in that? How do you take ownership waking up to do stuff that you want to like to go and, and do stuff with integrity? You you doing it because, you know, it comes with an incentive of a bill. Or, I mean, a, a, a paycheck, which is your lively, livelihood, but you're not taking ownership because your whole life. Till you were like 16, you would try to be like a track athlete. You were trying to be whatever. It's that thing. So maybe applying realistic ideologies to these babies, letting them know we are going to make you, what do you want to be in future? And it's hard to do that. You cannot super and forcefully impose realistic ideas on kids because that's unfair to the kid. Let the kid be the kid. Let the kid dream. If she wants to be an astronaut, she wants, if she wants to be, it will, you know, but there's some importance for letting them know like, yo, but guess what? Which makes me a dream killer, which is horrible. And my, my folks would, would they grow up from a different generation? What kind of like that? They were like, yo, all your dreams are going to be in education. Education is the key. Not vocation, not vocational school, education. You have to get a four-year degree, get that student loan, no problem. But that's where and, you're and I'm gonna inject myself here, man. Our parents, our past generations, they taught us what they knew. Yeah. We can't it's they they're only telling us what they knew. If our my parents, if I would have told my mom 10 years ago that I was gonna buy a CBD company, I was gonna buy a portion of a CBD company and <laughs> from company to company Lord jesus <laughs> based on based on a on a laptop she'd have looked at me like you she would have been like negro please <laughs> but she's only but that's all she knew but now when she can see the results she's like yeah he, he was thinking ahead of our time and that's the and we're going back to survival versus thrival and that's what i like to see co us us colored people we're starting to teach our kids getting out of that survival mindset to thrival you know that's part of the journey like hey you know, like, yeah, life's tough, whatever. I'm going to tell you what I know, but I'm also going to tell them, think about the future. What What is your future going to look like? How can you best be prepared for that future? Mm. It's, it's tough. I get yeah. it. Man, Ian, this is a great conversation. I, I Before even, I don't want to shadow our conversation based on on, 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 on these topics that we're talking about. I just want to focus back on you. I'm pulling that from the topic because this is a good topic. We will get back to this, but let's we talk are, about you. Let's talk about you. I mean, I, I mean, you stand for those. Those. Those are some of the things that you. I mean, everything is tied together. There's a thread. There's a. There's a. There's a bridge with, within everything that we're saying. But I. I love that you have taken the time out in your life to become this wellness coach. How do you? Become, first of all, how do you? How do you attain the title? of a wellness coach 
Like how, what, what process do you have to go through to be that? So um, I am not officially a wellness coach. There are plenty of programs that you can go through out there to okay. become a wellness coach. Um, I am a sports performance specialist, okay. a fitness nutrition specialist, um, yoga instructor. There's one more out there, a uh, Reiki um, instructor as well. I have a lot of certifications in the physical fitness field, yeah. but um, I tied it all together through yoga. Mm. When you, when you practice yoga, I don't mean just go through the asana, the postures and all that. When you practice, when you breathe, you learn to concentrate and then meditate. A lot of things come to light. You, a lot of things that you weren't thinking about before that you should have been thinking about, boom, they're there. The, the veils that we call them, the distractions in life, they start to go away. Mm. You got to have the, the fresh supplies car. No, I don't. Boom. You got to come to work for me uh, for eight hours a day. No, I don't. You got to do this. No, I don't. You got to get married by the age of 30 and have 40 kids. No, I don't. No, I don't. Yeah. You start to see your path and everyone's path is different. That all came from yoga. Hmm. So the whole, the holistic approach that I take to life, that's where it came from. Wow. That's amazing. And then, and then transitioning from that to um, your enthusiasm and your um, knowledge and participation and imp implementation in marketing. Like, I know maybe that's more indoctrination. Maybe you went to college and got a degree in that, but I understand that comes with certific certificates, right? Like, what do you think, especially now post, I don't say post because we're still in COVID-19, but the COVID-19 time, like what is marketing right now? Everybody- Market, right. Mark, the field of marketing has taken a huge hit because um, honestly, when you think of the traditional workforce, marketers are some of the first people to go. Um, it's just because they're part of sales support. In most cases, successful companies realize that marketing actually is their sales team and they've held on to them. But companies, and I'll, I'm gonna throw some companies on the bus, under the bus, and I don't apologize about it. Um, Spirit, Boeing, Textron, American Airlines. Uh, fuck you guys, I don't give a fuck. Um, they have got rid of their marketing teams because they don't see them as valuable. Um, but truthfully, the ones who are succeeding, who are making money, they realize that people want to have more control over their decisions. They don't want to be sold to. They don't want someone knocking on their door, sending them an email saying, buy my shit. They want information to make an educated decision. And then, and then they want to say, okay, I'm interested. Tell me more about what you have. So the field, I mean, post COVID marketing is taking a huge hit, but the ones who are doing it well, they're not marketing to this idea of people. They're marketing to real people. Right, right. Man, I, I have this uh, infatuation. Is this the right, right word? But this uh, uh, gravitas, this pull to marketing, because I've been reading books about neuro-linguistic programming where you have to use the right words to convince the brain on whether to do something that you'd want to do. So neuro-linguistic programming. Yep. And marketing is very, ba it's based on all of that, choosing the right colors. So, you know, you have to know about culture sensitivity with your colors and structuring. And um, it's it's a science, man. Like it's, it's genius. It's um, a little science that you can get a degree in. Absolutely. So in. Um, we get into the later stages of this episode. We're going to ask you, we usually ask our guests, what's the last book that you read? I saw you uh, moving a book up and down. What, what's that book that you holding over there? 
I mean, oh. maybe that's not the last book that you read, but like you could promote it if you have a book or anything that you want to do. Just so my book probably won't be done for another year or so, but um, um, this one right here, knowing yourself, grow your business, um, unlearning leadership by Guy Bell. Mm. This this is my mentor. Mm. It really. Is. Let me let me let me put in perspective uh, to you. The amount of time he has spent to help groom me to talk to these CEOs and and to get me the meetings with these people who make tens of thousands of dollars working 10 hours a week, no joke, uh, it has truly changed my life. And uh, I encourage everyone to read this book because this is kind of where it all started for me. Mm -hmm. But the, uh, the last book that I read, it was uh, The Slash Career. Mm -hmm. And I'll send everyone, a, I'll put a link in it for you guys in the show notes. Uh, you mm -hmm. get $5 off Kindle right now. Um, Thank you. If you've noticed about me, I have a lot of slashes. You know, I'm a fractional CMO, sports performance coach, the list goes on. I don't, um, I don't attain to a normal nine to five. I do what I want based on my interests. Um, and that book is really um, helping me tie it all together. That's that's amazing. Um, now that we had the last uh, portion or the last uh, part of the show, we usually ask the guest, um, "What's the ultimate lesson that you've learned along the way?" Honestly, the the ultimate lesson that I've learned in life is you got to be who you are, mm -hmm. and you've probably heard it a million times. But until you really start digging deep and to figure out who you are, it's hard. It's mm -hmm. tough, and a lot of people, your family members, aren't gonna like it. At the end of the day, though, are you living your life for someone else? Or are you living your life for yourself? Right. Because for a while, I was living my life for someone else. I don't even know who I was living for. I don't know who that guy was. Right. But I'm, I'm living it for myself now, and I love it. I'm not even making the money I want to make right now. But I love waking up every day. I don't I don't get out of bed, drag my feet, feel like, oh, what, what's going on? I never want I won't do that again, ever. Right. Ever, ever, ever. Yeah, man. Uh, Ian, you've been an awesome guest. Great conversation. Um, people out there, follow him. Uh, Ian, share your um, socials and where they can get at you, please. So for anything physical training-wise, uh, Coach I Knight, very easy to find. For your marketing needs, you can find me at uh, Ian R. Knight. Very simple. Uh, I have websites at both of those titles as well. Put them all in the show links. One thing I also did want to mention, um, so I do have one spot open for any company that's based in health and wellness who needs help marketing. Um, if you have at least $1,000 to spend on ad spend, um, not going to charge you my fee, go ahead and reach out to me. It's a first come, first serve basis. And with that said, Stratton, baby, thanks for having me on. I love Absolutely, getting man. Absolutely, man. Yeah, if you're going to be hanging around in the Wichita area, we're working out the details, but I will be speaking at Wichita State uh, this upcoming week. Uh, it may be Zoom. If it's Zoom, I'll put the link out there as well for any entrepreneurs. Um, with that said, thank you for having me on, babe. Hey, I appreciate everything that you just did and you shared with our listenership. It's lessons learned along the way, and we did exactly that. Uh, Ian, thank you. And uh, viewership, listenership, um, people watching on YouTube, hit that like, that subscribe Let's grow this uh, movement. Let's make the machine strong. You already know the rest. And we are out. Peace.